Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. All right, we are back. This is part four. This is the last piece of this uh, series with him getting from, from Ukraine back over here to America and how difficult it was. And we're going to lead off uh, where we had left, I guess, the last one. If you guys have not seen part one, two, and or three, part four is going to make literally no sense. But we're going to start off from the, the firefight that you had had. That was in Nesk, yeah. So you went from there and you guys had just had the largest cache you've ever taken from the Russians at this point. So we overcome Russian forces, and boy, oh boy, did they leave a um, bunch of toys for us. Yeah, you're talking about boxes, grenades, rocket launchers, um, ammunition, weapons, um, LMGs, light machine guns. I mean, we, we had it all that day, and that was like, that was an amazing day. That was a massive win for you guys. Huh? That oh, was yeah. a massive yeah. win. Okay, so now you're going Huge. from there. To getting all this equipment back, you had rolled your ankle really bad, which I don't think you even talked about that in the last one. No, I didn't. And the funny thing is, that day I was carrying an LMG. So um, for those who don't know what that is, that's a light machine gun, but it's never light. (laughs) I don't know why they call it a light machine gun. I don't know. That's a good question, actually. Um, Light machine guns aren't light, so they're very heavy. And then I had an ammo box of uh, 200 rounds whilst I'm carrying this. So it, it was a lot. So we're trooping through and we're trying to, you know, stay on the uh, ridge lines and, um, and, you know, I'm just, I'm looking at my surroundings and I wasn't looking at my feet and sure enough, I hit, um, like a little divot and I rolled my ankle big time, like to the point that it immediately swole like a goddamn softball. So I traded and they wanted to bring me to the back and I was like, hell no, I'm not even. And uh, so I said, you know what? Let's just do this. I'll I'll take your uh, AK. You take the LMG, and then I'll just keep pushing on. And I just traded weapons, you know, something a little bit lighter. And then I was able to just you know keep moving. It wasn't easy. I still would. I still walked like another uh, three quarters of a mile, you know, on this busted ankle because we were taking up fight, fighting positions all around this little island that was Russian occupied. Would you guys have pushed them? That, well, they pushed themselves out. Essentially, they they pretty much ran. If you guys don't know part part three, they pu- they push on an assaulting element and they ended up <clears> not not returning fire. It, it was actually kind of it's kind of embarrassing with the Russian military. If you haven't seen, it, you haven't. Oh no, they returned fire. Well, they didn't they didn't advance at all. But it was a lot easier than it should have been. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, these guys were supposed to be the best of the best. Um, these guys were armed to the teeth. Obviously, you can see what we took from them, and. Um, you know, they let themselves, you know, get, you know, cornered with, with I mean, we're sneaking, I'm sneaking around with a broken ankle, you know, damn near. And um, they, they didn't catch any of this. So we surrounded this, you know, what we called Fish Island. And, uh, you know, we, we, we did what we had to do. And, and that day was a big score. The great thing about that is we took that assault vehicle. The only thing in my head, I was like, holy shit. I got to go like five kilometers back on this ankle of mine, you know, and I'm not letting anybody carry me. So 
And when we, we when we took that assault vehicle, I was like, oh crap, free ride. I even tweeted it. I'm like, got a free ride because I don't know, it would have been so difficult to get back, you know, carrying all that gear, you know, and, um, you know, on a busted ankle, it was. And this was about two weeks before you came home, right? Two or three weeks? Yeah, yeah, something like so that. So it was about a month ago. Yeah. And I, I feel like I haven't actually told you guys. So he came back, and if you guys haven't seen part one, two, and three, I don't know what you're doing over here for, but we are trying to raise some money for the 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 foundation that's going to be helping a lot of people. It's called the Rip Rawlings Foundation. You go to riprawlings.com. If you guys like donate, it'll be linked Ripley's to the very, Heroes. Ripley's Heroes. It'll be linked to the very top of the description. You guys just click on it and go to it. Uh, Rip Rawlings was a he was a lieutenant colonel in the Marines, and he's not taking any money out of this. None of them is. All they're using the funds for is is non lethal equipment when it comes to equipment from like helmets, flak jackets, medical supplies, all that kind of stuff is going to be used for that. I donated five grand myself, so if you can donate just a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, it doesn't really matter. If we can do it a hundred thousand times, it really does add up. So with that being said, go check it out. I'll be linked very top of the description. And I just want to I just want to add that Rip Rawlings is a three time best selling author, New York Times. Um, the guy's very prolific, very smart guy. And, um, with, without him, we couldn't done half the things that, uh, we've done already. So, uh, shout out to Rip Rollings. So, so it was a big deal. So I wish my name was Rip, by the way, who are his parents who ever named him really thought that one through. I, that's a cool name. Man. I, mean, I, I didn't even heard anybody called Rip, but all right. So we're going to go back for, so now it's May 3rd and now you're moving away back. You have two weeks to get back. So you're thinking, you're, you're in the eastern side of the country, and you bought yourself a plane ticket. For everybody who doesn't know, he bought himself a plane ticket a month and a half in advance to force mm-hmm. himself to come home. So now you're back home. You're going that's, to be going back over exactly here in it. a couple months, whenever. But you, how how difficult was it to get from now you're stuck in this this tiny little camp to Lviv? Well, first of all, I want to point out um, at that point I knew that I didn't want to come home, but I didn't want to lose eighteen hundred dollars either. <laughs> so. Um, well, well, that was a that was another journey. All our vehicles were shot up, and the couple vehicles that we had, we couldn't spare it to you know drive eighteen hours away and 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 come back. We need those vehicles, right? So again, Ukraine. Somebody knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, right? So finally, Victor and I, we get and I. By the way, I went and got two more vehicles. But I stayed over there, but I had guys bring them back. So we we went on a humanitarian uh, van. But in order to, the caveat was, if we go on this van and we go and we get a ride to the front, well, you got to go on their rest of their mission, you know, to get, you know, medical supplies, you Mm -hmm. know, all kinds of, you know, everywhere. So we were like really in the front of the front at that point, like. It, it was like crazy, and now we don't have weapons. We bring all these medical supplies to a hospital that got half annihilated. They had a, they have a veteran ward, a, a, a army, a military ward, and a civilian ward. The military ward was annihilated. So, and they have a catwalk, you know, that goes from one to the other. There's nothing on the other side. All those guys got all those guys got killed. These doctors that came out and received these medical supplies. The shelling was so close, and I'm used to it, but you don't think that civilians are used to it. They, they don't flinch either. It's like they, they see this and hear this all day, every day. All the windows were blown out, everything. This is an active hospital. So we drop off all these medical supplies. Then we go. Another. I, I, didn't, 
I kept asking Victor, where are we going? He's like, does it matter? <laughs> you know? So then we go to this other place. Now, the only thing we have left in the truck and in the uh, van, big bags of dog food. We go to this other place, like maybe three hours away. And we just, it looked like, you know, like the projects. It, it, it was like, you know, the crappiest neighborhood. It was like, you know, like kids running around dirty. I mean, it was so sad. And then we're dropping off all this dog food. And like, and when I say dog food, I'm talking about about 20, 25 bags of like 100 pound bags of dog food. So I guess so these people can, you know, take care of their animals. And this was way before Lviv? No, this is on my way back to Lviv. I know, it's like way before. We're talking oh, still, yeah, yeah, still yeah. on the eastern side I, of the country. I literally went closer to the front line before I, <laughs> before I went back. I mean, like, I was, I was so far in the front line, I was like almost behind Russians. If <laughs> <laughs> they look behind me, they'd be like, oh, shit, look at him, <laughs> James. <laughs> So you go from dropping off dog food to meeting up in Lviv with um, Malcolm. Was the name Malcolm? Okay. So now from there, no, it didn't happen that way. <laughs> so we go. So these people bring us to Kiev, and uh, and that's it. That was their line. So Victor and I, we <laughs> we jump on a train, and we take a twelve hour train ride. And by the way, I got to tell you, this is after being. Oh, and a few weeks without showers. Oh my God, that that subway car must have. They have like you know like these little you know a, it's like a bunk bed situation you know in this train. Oh my God, I can just smell us. We were just awfully you know terribly smelling. It was just and so we take this twelve hour trek. Um, I got like a can of beans and like a bottle of water. And that's and I was starving. I I just wanted some food. <laughs> and he has like a can of spam, like ham that like they, <laughs> and we're both like trying to share, like mix this up and try to make it like some sort of gourmet meal. Uh, and then we head back, and it's like a twelve hour um, train ride. So we finally get to Lviv. I secure these vehicles that I've been working on for like the last two weeks. And, um, you know, we're going to, but I had to get another driver to go back with Victor because I knew at this point I'm like four days away from going home. There's no way I can go back and, and come back in four days. I mean, it's just, it takes three days just to get there. <sighs> so that being said, you know, we have, uh, well, I don't want to talk about the Ukrainian mafia, do I? It's up to you. I don't care. <laughs> You want. So in Ternopil, nah, I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we'll save that for another, we'll save that for another day. Um, so, you know, so we, we were in Ternopil for a couple of days and, um, and, you know, we knew at that point we we're safe. We're like two hours out of uh, Lviv. And um, I had like my first good dinner, first great shower. You know, I went into a hotel room. And it was unbelievable. Supposedly a five star hotel, but you know, two star. You know, in American standards, but who cares, right? So I get cleaned up, I eat, then we go to uh, Lviv. We pick up the vehicles, and then now I have to say goodbye to a man that I've been with every step of the way, like since day one. Uh, we've been by each other's side every single day since the day I got there. 
it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do in my life. And, um, and I feel horrible being here and not with my men, but Victor, Victor was my, still is he, he's you know he's a he's a man that's going to be in my life for the rest of my life i mean if we if we survive this if we make it past this war he's always going to be by my side you know i never i don't i don't believe i've asked you this question how you may you may have told us in the first episode but for some reason i cannot remember how did you meet victor did but, i did i ask you this yeah you did ask me this and i and i did explain it um he was, um, you know, when I, I told you when I went to go join the Foreign Legion, uh, they had just got bombed two days before. Oh, you met him. So, right. so I was supposed to join the Foreign Legion, and uh, they w- <laughs> got, you know, bombed. So him and I hooked up, and he knew people at the front lines. So it was luck. It was all kismet the yeah, whole yeah. trip. Man. That's right. Not now. Because now he, he got you all the way through and he'd have been there. He could understand. Okay, now that makes a little more sense. So, so now you, you left Victor. Mm-hmm. And Victor's heading back. Where's Victor going? Victor's still over there. So Vic, so Victor's back over there. He picked up vehicle supplies and head back. Is that pretty much what hap- happened? Yeah, I talked to Victor every day. And as a matter of fact, I, he's the one that gave me the call yesterday that told me that I lost one of my men. And, um, and you know, I still... If he calls me up and he says he needs something, I still provide it, and I and I get that through Ripley's Heroes. Um, so they need stuff all the time. They're doing a lot of night missions now. They need you know quality MVGs. They need you know good thermals and the good stuff. They need stuff. The good yeah. stuff. I'm so, sorry, I'm, I'm getting like no, a little you're good. Right now. No, you're no. fine. I, I have now you've made it to Lviv. Now okay. I made it to Lviv. Now you're linking up with these people who everybody so knows this. This is like, you know, this is like planets aligning. You know, we got Malcolm Nance. He's an MSNBC reporter turned, you know, soldier. I got Rip Rawlings, you know, Lieutenant Colonel. This guy, um, Harry P., who I've been dealing with and raising money with from the beginning. Another Canadian soldier um, that I I can't mention his name. He, He wants to be anonymous. So we had this great night. You know, we all met up. We went to dinner. Um... For the first time, we were able to have, like, you know, a decent dinner and, and, and a drink because alcohol was banned throughout the country for, like, the first two months that I was there. So we were able to have a couple beers and and um, hang out with each other, have a great dinner, and then talk turkey. You know, what do we do next? You know, what do we need? We need comps. We need vehicles. We need this. How are we going to approach this? So we, we're having this whole logistical meeting. But at the same time, having a good time with each other because we have been coordinating with each other via Twitter and or, you know, by Signal or WhatsApp. And then we finally, you know, all came together and, and met each other. And, um, and and it was it was magical. This is Rip and Malcolm. This is Rip, Malcolm Nance, Harris, Harry so, P. Just so everybody knows, Malcolm Nance is, of course, the black gentleman. Yeah. He's probably the only black guy in Ukraine. Oh, my right? God. That's what I told him. I, he was like, I, I said, why aren't you wearing your uniform? He goes, well, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to remain, remain anonymous. I said, bro, you're the only black guy here <laughs> in this country. You're, you're, you can wear a uniform. <laughs> and then, and then you have uh, Rip, who's the tall gentleman in the back. Yes, sir. Above everybody. Yeah. And then Had, that's Harry P. Harry P's the one with his face yeah. covered. And then you have. And this is the uh, unknown 
Canadian gentleman that I can't say his name, but now you're looking at his face, so you uh, yeah, no, <laughs> Canadian conclusions. Gentleman. So there is that. Now we have those guys, and there was another one. So this is another photo of you and Rip himself. Rip's kind of a tall guy, ain't he? Yeah, he's like he's every bit of six four, six five. I'm six feet, so I, and I hate standing next to him because I feel small. Yeah, my, well, that's how I feel around everybody. <laughs> so now you get, you get into, I remember you posted something on your Twitter, which was kind of funny, but you get into Lviv, you meet all these guys. How hard was it to get back over the border from uh, Ukraine into Poland? Not hard at all. I mean, um, it, gosh, I think I just took a, yeah, I just took a train over there. It was that easy. So it was Yeah, when I, got, when I got to Poland, you know, you they they were kind of giving everybody a little bit of crap, but I was at that point I was so battle torn and so tired that I, I had that you know don't f- with me face, and they just kind of let me go. I you, you know, meanwhile everybody was telling me that when you go over to Poland, they're gonna take your you know your your uh, gear, they're gonna take your battle rattle, all that. Uh, I heard that since you know, and I think that's. Uh, Kind of like a lot of propaganda too, like discourage soldiers from America to come here. Because I heard that from I've seen videos. Um, yeah, no problem. But no problem, no problem at all. They were they they were thankful. And then you got into Poland and you post something. It was actually kind of funny. I think it was like come to my room four fourteen or whatever it was. Well, I started getting some death threats. I well, I, I you posted this and I was like, wow, this guy really does not. I started care. getting some death threats, and then I was like, you know what? Look, I'll tell you exactly where I am. If you have balls, there was like these two dudes, you know, all dressed in black. I thought they were coming to get me. I was like, you know, I was just ready. And and then we started like getting into it. And it just turned out they were just like two kind of nice drunk guys dressing all in black. <laughs> you know? So we ended up taking a picture together. I, I don't, I, you, I, you don't have that on your uh, screen. But, um, but I started getting death threats and and was like, hey, you know, you know, we know where you are. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm, a, you know, I'll tell you exactly where I am. I'm in this hotel. I'm in this room. You don't even have to come to my room. Just call me. I'll come down. And then, you know, we can sort your shit out. Zero people came. Nobody came. Now, here's my next question. So you make it back to America. You do all that. That's no, no issues coming back in the States? None? Oh, no. There was, um, I got questioned by um, Homeland Security. You had to have. I so I can't what, come back from Mexico without any questions. So my flight went from Poland to France, France to Boston, and then Boston to LaGuardia. Okay, so when I got to Boston, as soon as uh, you know I, I went to customs, they looked at my sh- and they were like, "Hey, you know, step aside." And I'm like, "Oh, f-. <laughs> I, I'm thinking I'm like, oh, sh-. you know, uh, America is you know gonna." F- with me. <laughs> But um, so they were just asking me questions, and and I didn't know where there was where this was going. They were just like, you know, what you they wanted phone numbers. Um, where were you? Who were you with? You know what? You know what happened? How did you meet Azov guys and all kinds of they, like this is something you know you and I have not even had a conversation. They asked about, you, if yeah, they... like specifically. Hey, what? Were, were you with Azov? And I was like. Nope, didn't see one of those guys. That was one of the questions they asked you, huh? Yeah, yeah, bizarre, right? And um, so it went on and on, and I'm I'm trying to tell them, I'm like, look, I got a connecting flight, you guys know, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah no way, you, you'll get there, you get there. And they're like, we asked this of everyone, you know, you got CIA and 
Homeland Security asking me, we ask this of everybody that comes back. And I'm like, gosh, oh, I'm thinking I'm, they're going to just put me in a brink, never to be seen again, silence me type. Shit. But, um, but they were gathering intel, I guess, you know. Um, but a lot of the questions were pretty personal. Really? Yeah. And um, so, you know, I just kind of went through the motions, but I missed my flight. So my bags, so my bags are on a plane and I'm talking about thousands of dollars, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of gear going to LaGuardia in New York as if nobody can just peel that shit open and be like, oh, that's pretty cool. And um, so I missed my flight and I had to book a later flight, missed my, you know, the guy was going to pick me up. I had to miss that, you know, so I had to pay like $300 just to take an Uber to, to my house. It was, just, it was bananas. But the, the questioning was like, um, I just really felt like I was being <laughs> heavily interrogated. Like, was it really, like, can you, can you give me any insight on any of the questions I had to ask you? Like just one question, two questions, three questions. <laughs> oh, well, you know, like I told you, uh, you know, who, who, Give me phone numbers of your contacts over there. I'm like, give me phone numbers. I would want that. I'm like, what is that? You know, how does that matter? You know, what are you going to call him up and just be like, was he really there? You know, is, or, or are you going to call him up and you're going to scrutinize him and saying, why are you doing this as well? I don't know. So, so I gave him like a couple numbers of like low level fucking guys, but I wasn't giving him, you know, every number of number of everybody I, you know, dealt with over there. Uh, you know, like I told you, they were asking me about Azov guys. I'm like, nope, never saw them. Um, you know, what kind of, you know, where were you? You know, where were you fighting? And if I if I just say, yeah, Kevin Donetsk, and they're like, where else? And I'm like, I you know, I was probably other places, but I don't know names, <laughs> you know? And they, they pulled me aside, man. And I was like completely isolated with these guys to the point that I was like, something bad is going to happen. Did, right they, did they ask you if you had fired a round over there? Have you shot any? No, you, you know what? And they didn't ask me if any of that, shit, but I, but I was expecting that, and I knew my answer. Nope, you didn't fire around. Nope. Here's a, here's a, here's the real question. So you get home and do all that. No one has really asked you this. So why did you decide to go and fight in Ukraine against Russia? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't decide. History decided. My grandmother is Latvian, Latvian born. During World War Two, she uh, she was telling her whole family, you know, bad things are going to happen. Russians are going to come here, and uh, we need to go. And her family. You know, much like you know the propaganda Russians make, they said the BBC says everything's going to be be okay. When we're safe, we're safe, we're safe. Well, my grandmother was smart enough to not believe that. My grandmother left everybody, her whole family, and try to make a way towards France, and then literally ran to a war. So when I say literally ran to a war. She would tell me stories. And my grandmother speaks five languages. English is like her worst one. But I understood her because if you know her long enough, you can understand. Well, she was telling me how, like, she was literally running to war. And, you know, she she would see, like, soldiers getting blown up. She was like, you know, 
in country, running through a war, running through shells, shit that I've been through in the last fucking couple months. Excuse my language, I'm sorry. Russians wiped out my whole family on my grandmother's side, on my Latvian side. And they were all civilians. All civilians. No, not one was a soldier. Wiped out my whole family. She's the only surviving member. So the stories that she used to tell me, I can only picture it. It's like theater of the mind, right? Um, but now, now I can just see it. I can just Google this and see exactly what she was talking about. You know, listen, I don't know if there's a God or not. But I know one thing. If there's a heaven, she's looking down on me and she's uh, very proud of me. So it's more of a revenge thing. Not a revenge thing. It's just the right thing to do. It's not the wrong because thing. Because they, they did, they they were wrong then and they're wrong now. That's an easy enough answer there. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. They, they took out your entire family, what, 70 years ago? Yeah. 70-ish, 80-ish years ago, roughly? Well, so we're was, talking World War II, she, right? Yeah, yeah, she was born in 1908, so yes. World War II, they took them all out in World War II. There was yeah. a lot of civilians. Yeah, in she was in her 30s then. And she was beautiful. I mean, you got to see this picture of her. That the only picture that I have of her. She, and interestingly enough, when she was on the run, she would have got killed, um, just by. Uh, so there was an actress in France that took her in and pretended that she was her sister, uh, in order to keep her alive. And um, you know, so goes the story. She was she was an amazing woman. Well, now you give us a reason. When are you going back? What's your plan from here? As soon as possible. Um, so, what, so, so what so is James my, As soon as my house, um, I'm putting my house on the market next week. As soon as, and it's probably going to sell within days because where I live is such a highly, you know, everybody wants to uh, buy a house there, especially, you know, I got kind of a cool house. <laughs> so when your house sells? Are you selling so all your my stuff? house sells, and I I get rid of everything. I'm 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 out. So I'm thinking. Listen, if it's a cash buyer, I'm leaving in three weeks. It's a, if it's a mortgage buyer, I'm leaving in a month and a half. One way or another, I'm leaving. So by by August, by mid July, you'll be back. Yes, sir. By mid July. So here we're gonna we're gonna start trailing this thing off because I want I want people to have an understanding. So you're gonna, you're literally gonna sell your stuff, move back, and then. You're going to have to go through the long process of getting back out. Most likely is going to be in the east or down south near Kirsten. You'll have no idea. I don't care where you, I am. You have no idea where you're going. It does don't, not really doesn't matter. doesn't matter to me. So you're going to get back. I'm going to assume you'll probably be back. You're in the military. It doesn't matter where you uh, go. No, it didn't matter at all. It was just I just did what I was told. Exactly. So you'll be back fighting, I'm going to say, by first week of August at the latest. I would. Because uh, that will give you two weeks. I would say that would be my dream job. So you're talking first week, and you're going to stay through the entire rest of the, the conflict, the entire time it's, it's done and over. Yeah. I mean, unlike the soldiers that are um, stuck in the front line, there's going to be a lot of times I'm going to have to go to back to, back to the rear. Um, again, because I have that opportunity to do that. They're going to need things. And, they, you know, so I'm going to be going back and forth. I, honestly, they don't even want me to uh, come back and fight, but I insist on it because they think I'm more valuable alive than dead. Well, depends on who you are. Depends on who you are. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right. But um but me and defiance, I you know, I know I'm gonna go right back to the front lines. And uh I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna multitask, I'm gonna, you know, 
you know, garnish money from, you know, contributors and I'm going to also fight. And, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't want to say curses anymore. I'm going to fight every day. I'm going to fight hard and I'm going to fight for my men and my men are getting their asses kicked right now. Not in a traditional sense, but because they don't have enough weapons. They don't have enough gear. They don't have enough night vision. They they don't, they, they need a lot of stuff. And in order for them to get that, I'm a big part of it. And when I go back, you better believe I'm going to get a truck and I'm going to have a truckload of stuff and I'm going to bring it to them. And I'll, I'll take that 18-hour trek by myself. Without a map. With, I don't need a map. <laughs> Without need a map. Them. Just head straight east. Just look at your phone. It'll be good. I, I, I kind of know the uh, country by now, <laughs> so I know exactly where to go. But uh, I guess in the last 10 minutes, they're going to be like, hey, where the f- you guys are? <laughs> because, you know, we always move so much. But... Um, but no, no, no doubt about it. I am um, I'm going back 100%, and I'm going to come back with a bunch of goodies, and you know, I'm going to finish what I started. I appreciate you coming on. Hopefully, we can do a, raise a ton of money. If you guys like check it out, like I said, it'll be linked in the very top description. RipRollings.com. Go to Ripley's Heroes. Little link on there, you'll see it. I hope you have fun. Hope you enjoy yourself. Once again, thanks for coming on. I guess we'll I'll keep in touch with you and I'll, we'll keep feeding stuff to the to the audience that you, certainly, you can certainly, share. Certainly. Stuff that you can share. Um yeah, I mean, listen, I can call you anytime and just be like, "Hey, this is what's going on." I mean, you you're very prolific on what you're doing over here, so um heard a lot of compliments about you. Heard a lot of good things about you um prior to me going on and so you have a lot of fans. I'm honest. I try to be as honest as I possibly can. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't that what's yeah. That's what it's all about. about? Well, thanks for hanging out with us, guys. I do love you. We will catch you guys on another episode. Go check out James Vasquez. Go type him on Twitter. You need to. Go check out the wild he's doing. All right, we're out. See you guys. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.